just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Sunday. Not a lot of immediate news going on uh, during the weekends. We're always waiting for Monday to happen, but I have a special surprise for you today. I have a guest on the show, a guest that's never been on the show, but he, he and I have some things in common. We're not in the same age range, but uh, on TikTok, he's known as the Rational Gen X. And and I really wanted you to come on because we're friends on TikTok. You told me you listened to the podcast. And uh, I really like what you're doing because you're one of the few people I will stop and watch when 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 you're on TikTok because I learned some things from it. So, uh, Rational Gen X, thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, I, I definitely enjoy your podcast. It, it gets me through the workday. Um, I am a contractor by trade, licensed here in Michigan, uh, and I also have a bachelor's degree with uh, double majors in history and political science. Uh, so what I do on TikTok is uh, what I've always been interested in uh, since I was a teenager. So that's what my content is. You know, when I first saw that you were on TikTok, I thought, OK, what's this guy going to do? He's a younger guy. Um, what could he know? And then I started watching you and, and I realized, well, this fucker knows a lot of shit. I could learn some things from from you. And 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 the thing is, like I stated before we went on the air here, uh, you and I do two different things. You're you're almost an his, uh, a historian about some of this stuff. You know a lot about the details of what happened in the past and the specifics about what's going on here. What I do essentially is deal with news stories, try to break it down into simple terms and try to deliver it to folks so people understand what the hell is going on. But this is a chance for you to actually use your background. And, and, and is that why you decided to do it on TikTok? Yeah, I, I think that with everything that was going on, I mean, first of all, of course, a lot of us um, were, were at home uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. And that's when I first started exploring TikTok. And initially, I only put out historical content. I did not record anything uh, with my face on it. It was just uh, splicing together things to teach people different things about history. And as time went on, and especially leading up to the election, I thought that, you know, maybe I could share my knowledge on some things. And of course, um, you know, I look at Donald Trump as being the greatest threat to our democracy uh, that I've I've seen in the history of our country. And so, you know, I figured I could maybe share some things and hopefully, you know, influence some people, swing some people with things that I know, you know, making comparisons to the past. Well, I think you did. I think you did. I mean, one of the things I've said about this country is uh, the people of this country are horribly misinformed. Everybody has different sources and each source tells a different story. And I kind of felt the same way when I started doing the Rational Boomer thing is that people really know needed to know what the real story was, not just the clickbait or just the hype that's going on on TV. And this was both left side and right side. They told you what 
they wanted to do to stir you up and keep you watching, but nobody seemed to be well-informed with what's going on. I mean, they could have been if they went in and they dug deeper and looked into it, but most people don't have time or, or the motivation to do that. So I, I respect what you're doing because it's pretty much the same reason I was doing it. Right, right. When it, when it comes to media, like you said, um, media in general, uh, there are sources that I believe are are much more neutral than others. Uh, but probably the best lesson I think that I took away from one of my college classes, I, I had a fantastic professor, was anything you read um, or, you know, or watch on TV, whatever. But if you, if you are consuming something that um, is being, you know, given to you, whether it be the written word or, or spoken, um, but try to figure out where the slant is. So when you're studying history, even if you're you're looking at a primary uh, a source, you know you're not looking at a secondary source where an author wrote a book about, um, you know, say the uh, Cherokee um, removal um, and, and the Trail of Tears. So you're actually looking at primary documents. Just because they're primary documents does not mean that they're accurate. Right. 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 Um, so you you have to figure out who who's writing them. So if somebody's writing them, that you know, when you look at the the facts around what kind of person they were, and and say they're they were a politician, then that was heavily in favor of uh, relocating the indigenous people in this country, you know, to reservations. And then you look at something that they wrote at the time about how the how the people were, or how they lived. It doesn't mean that it's correct. So you you figure out that slant. And the same thing goes for today. Um, you know, watching things like Fox News, uh, Newsmax, OAN, literally. Yes, I will. I will read some stuff. I can't stand to watch it on TV. I can't either. But for the most part, it, it, it's it's garbage. It, it's not even. It, it, there's so little factual information in there that it's difficult to even, you know, get any sort of truth out of it. I mean, there is to a certain extent, if it's something simple as, um, you know, there was an apartment building on fire or something in, you know, in New York city that that's different. Um, but they have just the information they, they give people is garbage. Now, when I look at something like CNN, or MSNBC, they have slants. And so, you know, again, you just have to figure out where the slant is, and that helps you uh, make an informed decision about what's really going on, and then read from multiple sources. Now, I said uh, I, I said a while back that I believe that one of the main reasons why Donald Trump was elected president in 2016 was because of the left-side media. They found him to be a shit show. They found him to be good television or at least something that's going to draw an audience. So they kept putting him on the air, which gave him some credibility. Um, they, they, they weren't really concerned with what were, what were the facts. They were concerned with causing some excitement or chaos or whatever it is on their show to get more people bought into it. Secondly, I, I, the thing that troubled me about the left side media on this was they never held these people's feet to the fire. They would sit on their show at their desk and they would lie and they would just let it go. They always did that to Donald Trump, too. Uh, when I did a show with a couple of Trump fucks, I was trying to illustrate what I meant. You know, every time they tried to slip away, every time they tried to divert, 
I pulled them back and I said, no, you got to answer. And what happened is they made, made themselves look like fools. And that would have been the case uh, when they were interviewing Republicans, but they let it go because it was too good. It was too good for TV. Right. I, I agree with you to an extent. So uh, Donald Trump in 2016, you know, going into the primary uh, season was a joke. Um, you know, nobody was taking him seriously. The uh, the Republicans themselves, the the party had their own favorites, um, you know, and of course, in the end, it's I don't even want to say it's up to the people because technically speaking with with our primaries, it's not actually up to the people. Um, they have, they always have those super delegates. So in the end, the Republican party could have actually made the choice not to nominate Donald Trump. And I mean, it would have kind of been an uproar with the amount of votes that he had coming into the convention, but they could have done that. Um, but I do agree with you to the point that they put him on TV because it makes good television. Now, what I will say when you said left side media Here's here's one of the issues that we have in this country. So we do truly have a right side media. Um, so outlets such as Fox News um, are very right leaning. And on the other hand, when we look at it, even if you were to say and or MSNBC or CNN, well, we all know what happened to CNN uh, shortly before the election. Right? They kind right. of made that shift back. We can we can call it towards the center. We can call it to the right. But CNN definitely took a shift and and they did so because I think they were trying to determine which way the winds were blowing. And so that's what I'm trying to get at when it comes to like left side media. It's still not left side. It's corporate media. Um, True. So MSNBC, MSNBC having somebody like Joe Scarborough on there, you know, I, he's he's not a lefty. It's when, when you actually when you actually look into like far left media and, and I don't personally believe we really have it in video format to any kind of scale. I mean, you could look at the Young Turks or something like that, but we don't have a station such as Fox News for people on the left. True. Um, That's true. But there is good information that you can consume. Now, I, I, now that being said, oh, no, well, go, go ahead, ahead, Mike. No, go ahead. Uh, the, the only thing I was going to say, that being said, the information that you can find for for true left media um, w- would be in written form. So you have different sources that are very left leaning, you know, such as Mother Jones or something like that. So those particular sources, when I do read a story from them, it's not that I'm not a left leaning person, but I'm always kind of careful because of the fact that they have a slant, even though I lean left, you know, I'm on the left. I shouldn't say I lean left, right. um, but I'm still careful to not, read a story and then go on TikTok and do a video about it that I'm spreading misinformation because in the end, all I want to tell people is the facts. I don't want to lie to people. You know, I don't, I just don't believe in that. I believe in giving people the facts and then letting them make up their mind about how they feel about it. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, I, I, I get mistaken by the Trump fucks too, is saying because of what I say on TikTok or on the podcast, they say you're the, the democratic, libtard and i and i'm really not i i don't claim to be in the democratic party i don't claim to be in the republican party never have never will because i don't join clubs and i don't have a lot of respect for either of them the way i look at it right now is that we've got two parties that haven't done justice for the people of this country 
And I really think it's instead of being uh, Democrats versus Republicans, I think it's us, we the people against both parties because they both have lacked some things over the years. Um, but people will make the mistake that I'm that I'm a Democrat and I'm not. I'm, I'm really more about truth, justice, facts and whatever is good for the people, whatever makes sense. And if the Democrats are doing that a little more so than the Republicans now, well, then I'm on the Democratic side. I mean, frankly, with the Republicans, we have a fucking dumpster fire. So we got to put that out before we fix the whole process. Right. And honestly, I think what they've done a good job on. So when you were talking about it's kind of us versus both parties. Right. And of course, at the moment, when it comes to voting, I'm going to vote for Democrats right now because the Republican Party is just one gigantic fascist shit show. Right. So therefore, I'm going to vote with the Democrats. Now, that being said, I, I don't necessarily agree with them on everything. Um, and, and I am on the left. Um, but I think it's I think the issue with it is that both parties, to a large extent, the members of the party, the people that actually hold office, uh, especially on the national level, but even on the state level to an extent. But a lot of those people are beholden to corporate interests. Right. So I think our our largest problem in this country yeah, it's truly us against them. It's the vast majority of people in this country which are at the bottom. And, and right. even though that's 99% of people that are in that bottom, you know, whether you're even upper middle class, you're still not part of the club, right? No, no. So it, it, it's us against them, and it's, it tends to be for politicians is everything that that would benefit a group tends to go to the people that don't need the help. And I've always found it somewhat ridiculous that say for people right now that support the Republican party, if you were advocating for people to be able to uh, just even get basic medical care, they wouldn't be in favor of it because the Republicans would come out and say, well, it's going to cost, you know, how many ever billion dollars a year to do this? Well, yeah, but don't you think that in the, best country in the world the you know according to the republicans the wealthiest you know we're number one usa usa but don't you think that everyone in this country then should have the right to it at least have basic medical care i mean i personally think we should have universal health care but you know that's another argument but they wouldn't even support something like that that would benefit them in in the the movement right now in the republican party even though they are on the right, it is a very populist movement. So you have a lot of, you know, regular working class, just average American or American people that support them. But yet they're not advocating for for policies that that support those people or that would benefit them. And, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't understand. I'm not saying that. I'm going to vote for a party that promises me a bunch of free stuff. That's not what I'm getting at. But why should I vote for a party that would give a tax break to Jeff Bezos, but they're not going to give you one? Like that, that's, it just seems like common sense. Exactly. And, you know, I, I've talked to some people I know that are wealthy that were trying to tell me the tax break for the rich and why it's a good thing. So I try to explain it on their terms. I say, look, you invest money, right? You have investments. You're in stock market. If you have a portfolio, and in this portfolio, you have a group of investments that pay you a lot of money every year, and then you have another group of investments that you dump money into, but you get nothing in return. 
for the country. Now, the, the government officials get their pockets filled. But if you've got this portfolio and you've got the middle class who pays the bulk of the taxes in this country, wouldn't you want to cultivate that? Wouldn't you want to keep that healthy? I always liking, liking the rich and the Republicans to the dogs that will eat as much dog food as is sitting in front of them to their detriment where they fucking explode because they've eaten too much. And I'm afraid the Republicans and the, the conservatives are so gil- uh, so greedy that they will continue to take and take and take until such time when it breaks the back of the middle class. Now, that's fucked for us than the middle class, but it's fucked for them, too, because they got no more places to get money. Right. We, we need our country. We need our country to use the money we send them wisely. And it's reasonable to think if I pay taxes, a lot of taxes percentage wise in my income, that I should receive something back. But the thing that struck me about the Democrats and the Republicans was this. Remember when they were going to do the Build Back Better bill? And and of course, the Republicans didn't want to do it. And the Democrats said, this is going to be transformational. Nothing like this has happened in like 80 or 90 years. Now, I'm mad at the Republicans for not wanting to do it. But I thought, well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you mean to tell me after all the taxes I've paid, you paid, everybody's paid in the middle class. This is the first time in eight years you decided to do something for us. Well, that's a fucking problem for me. And it isn't just Republicans. It's Democrats, too, because they've had power to do it, just like the Democrats had power to codify Roe v. Wade at one point, And they decided not to do it. So we've got to keep our thumb on the fucking Democrats as well as the Republicans. Well, we've got to do something to get rid of the Republicans. But we've got to we got to stay awake and keep the pressure on with the Democrats, too. Right. I, I agree with you. To your point, when it when it comes to taxes, so I've had this argument before, actually, with a family member um, that has pretty much the same uh, background that I do as far as education. And her contention was that if you actually look at the amount of money coming into the Treasury, and, and again, I should verify this sometime, and I never did, but it, it really doesn't matter. But she said that, the top 1% would pay in more in taxes um, as far as like total dollars. If they pay taxes. Okay, fine. Yeah, well, in, in even even to that point, like, let's say that's true. Let's say for total dollar amount that they pay in more than the middle class. Well, fine. Why don't you look and see how much money the top 1% controls? Because it actually should be that way. Now, it's still problematic, though, because if I look at it, I'm paying taxes and and I don't get the tax breaks that say the ultra wealthy do. Um, Now they have poor people that'll support them and say, well, if I was in that position, I would take those tax breaks too. That's just smart to do so. Okay. But tell me why should someone like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or whoever you pick Warren Buffett, even why is their effective tax rate lower than yours? Like, let's say you're, you're working class, even your job, you make, you know, $30,000 a year. How come Jeff Bezos is paying less in taxes as a percentage? Because you have to compare apples to apples. It's not total money. You know, that that doesn't matter. He makes so much more than you. Those percentages should match, really, to make it fair. Actually, you should pay more. So that's one one issue that I have when it comes to the, the arguments about uh, taxes going in. 
and, 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 and you're, you're absolutely right about that. That that's an excellent point. The the second thing about it is when you were talking about the middle class, and you're one hundred percent one hundred percent correct. So, for this country right now, our economy my my argument would be our economy is very much consumer driven. So to keep our economy humming, what we actually need is people spending money. Right. Middle class people spend spend money. They 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 do work on their house. They buy a vehicle. They buy a new refrigerator, a TV. You know, whatever it might be. So so they end up spending a fair portion of their um, income, even if they are putting money away from retirement. You know, again, if they're better off, if they're truly middle class and not working class. But now. We look at the ultra wealthy and what do they do with their wealth? They hoard it. Yeah. So how is that beneficial for the economy? It's like, well, they create jobs. No, they create jobs that pay for shit like Jeff Bezos and Amazon. You know, they take advantage of people without those people in those warehouses in the the truckers that, you know, transport to the different distribution centers. Jeff Bezos doesn't have a company. So I don't care how smart you think he is or how great you think he is. Those people still are the reason that company is successful, but yet he doesn't pay them for it. And again, what he is paying them, they're spending that to support themselves while he hoards money or or he does spend a bunch of money to go rocket off into space. Right. Right. I, yeah. I, it blows my mind that you can get people with little means to support, you know, people like that. Well, we've been conditioned to work on uh, with this money, the whole $15 an hour uh, minimum wage. They suggest, well, we can't afford that. Everything will go up in price. We'll shut our doors. We'll do all this stuff. And they always say, let the uh, marketplace decide what the price should be. So now we go through COVID, and all of a sudden, we've got a lot of people not returning to jobs. So the marketplace is determining you got to pay more because you can't get enough fucking people to work for you. And I think this is a, kind of an important po- a point in time where finally, I mean, never in my lifetime has this been the case, where employees have a little leverage. I mean, I'd go apply for a job when I was in my 20s. There'd be 10 people behind me to apply for the job. And if I got the job, they treat you like shit. And they say, go ahead, quit, because there's 20 other guys that want your job. It's not the case anymore. And I just hope the young people will take advantage of this extra leverage they have now. Maybe it'll bring some bring some uh, parity back between employees and employers, because you're right. The employees are just as important as the employers, because without the employees, you don't have a fucking business. And they've got to it's going to take a little time for this to realize that. But ultimately, they're going to have to do whatever they have to do to keep their business running. And they need people to continue to work for them. So now they've got to entice them back and they do have to pay them more money. Right now. Now, when it comes to wages. So, you know, for me, I would still go back to to say like FDR um, and, and I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but basically him saying that a company doesn't deserve to be into business, be in business if they can't pay their employees a living wage. Right. And I don't remember the direct quote. Um, and and there's a lot of truth to that. So we look at over the decades since FDR was president in the 1940s to, to the current time and what has changed when it comes to, uh, you know, let's just say corporate culture. So 
at one time, say in the 1950s, because economically for more modern times, I would kind of look at the 50s as being somewhat of a golden era. Um, You know, people did did very well. Uh, uh, One person in the household working a working class job, you know, we're working, say, in the construction industry, such as I do. Um, They would have a nice home and two cars and, you know, mom raised the kids at home and everything like that. And they were able to do that because they could afford it. So when I look at it and I say, well, where did things change? Like when, when did it, when did it happen? And so I think it kind of gradually happened. And then things really came to a head somewhere around the mid seventies, as you started seeing a lot of uh, changes in corporate culture and also changes in government officials. And then of course, rolling into the eighties and having supply side economics, Reaganomics trickle, trickle down, whatever you want to call it. So that's been problematic, but there there is another side to it. And my my contention would be you have to account for corporate greed, Absolutely. Uh, because when you look at overseas and you say, OK, if you look at, you know, Denmark and you say, well, how can Denmark pay a fast food employee this much money where they actually have a living wage and then they get time off? They get parental leave for mom and dad both and they have insurance and all these things. These people, you know, they're not struggling nearly as much as people here that would be in a similar situation. And I know there's always this argument, all the taxes they pay and everything. Yeah, but they're still doing okay, And they have fantastic social safety nets to prevent people from getting into some of the situations we see in this country. Right. So. Another part of that, though, is how the corporations are. So to your point, as far as minimum wage. Now, I've had discussions with people that are, you know, own businesses as far as that uh, argument goes. And they said, well, you know what? If the government said $20 an hour is minimum wage, I'm just going to have to raise my prices and pass that along. Well, okay, I could get it if you only raised your prices to reflect that wage uh, a change because if you look at the studies for something like McDonald's, it literally might mean that your your meal that you get at McDonald's costs you another thirty cents or thirty five cents. But corporations in this country would take advantage of it, and they truly would raise that meal by what two three dollars. I mean, we're already seeing it right now with inflation. It's not driven as much as uh, as much from. Uh, supply chain and COVID. I mean, there is some of that in there, but the the largest percentage of it is just pure greed. And and it's never enough. So all these big corporations, it's more, 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 more every year, right? Well, and that's the problem is the 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 wages don't don't stay in pace with with the cost of things. You know, because I grew up in the sixties and seventies, I can tell you that there was a time you could go to McDonald's and uh, buy a hamburger for like 50 cents, 59 cents, maybe less than that, all right? And the people working there were making probably three bucks an hour, three fifty an hour. Well, now that same hamburger or Big Mac or whatever costs you five bucks, and now they're making seven bucks an hour. Now they're making 15 bucks an hour, uh, so it quadrupled. But the cost of the hamburger went up considerably more. I mean, the same with education. You know, in the 60s, the average guy made eleven thousand dollars, and you know, uh, education college was, you know, maybe fifteen hundred for the year. It was reasonable for them to be able to pay that over a period, a short period of time. 
But as time's gone on, now we're at fifty thousand dollars a year average or thereabouts, and you're paying fifty to sixty thousand dollars for an education. You know, when people say, "Why give these kids a break?" Well, when I was in college, I was paying a lot less comparatively than these kids are now. It's it's just gotten out of hand, and you're right. It's all about greed, and it's not just greed in corporate America. It's greed in medicine. It's greed in education. It's just everybody's got a fucking free-for-all, and they say, we're going to grab as much as we can get, and it's kind of a slow thing, so we just, we're like the frog in the boiling water. We don't feel it right away until we get to a point where we just can't afford it, and we go, what the fuck is going on? That's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, and the the greed in education is very important. So when you were talking about college education, my father-in-law would have entered college uh, in, I think it was 1968. And I think a term for him was roughly around $300. Right. And the school that he went to had trimesters. So, you know, basically $900 a year. So forward to when I started uh, college in, in 1996, and my credit hour was $73, uh, or it was $73 per credit hour for undergrad. But when you also include all the little fees they charged you, uh, what your housing was, what your food costs were, you know, the average cost for, for a semester at the time was probably 13000 or something like that, roughly, right. uh, at the school that I went to. Now, we have a child that is in college right now, and her semester is more than double uh, what I paid for a year. That's fucking crazy. Um, and the fact that she, for seven years, it is extremely expensive. It, it there There is an anti-intellectual movement in this country, and this is on the right. It, you know, it's definitely not on the left. But my my question for the people that, that support this would be, you need to address the fact of higher education being so expensive in this country and, and not being easily accessible. Uh, you know, for people to uh, attain an education, whatever it may be in. And and when you have this idea that, well, all of these universities are nothing but indoctrination centers and, you know, kids don't need to go, um, you know, receive a higher education. Well, what are you going to do when you need someone for yourself that is educated? Right. And, and I know there's some distrust with the medical community, fine, whatever. But even something as simple as you have an infection in your foot, so you have to go see a doctor. You want that person to have a higher education to know what they're doing that they're prescribing to you, and you want the person filling that to also know what they're doing. So it's it's not something as simple as, you know, all these people that are educated are just a bunch of worthless liberals that we need to throw out of this country. Because right. that anti-intellectual movement is exactly what the like beginnings of everything were uh, uh, in Nazi Germany. When, when that whole thing started kicking off, there was a massive movement to persecute intellectuals in that country. And we are actually seeing that to a small extent. And again, only in words for the most part so far here in this country, but we are seeing it. Well, one of the things I've said is that uh, I believe that this country you should give everybody a free college education. And it isn't about getting something free. 
It's about doing what the government should do in this country, and that's fix problems. And one of the things I've learned over the last six years and I've been surprised by is just how many stupid fucking people we have in this country. We need to get this for the survival of this country. We need to get this country smarter, more educated. Um, And if that means sending anybody and everybody who wants to go to college for free, I think we should do that. Not so much giving them a free ride, but helping this fucking country. I mean, you got to pour money into any kind of problem, whether it be a hurricane or a war or whatever. And this problem with the education in this country is a big problem. Uh, you know, if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, those people are going going to uh, um, going to college. But when you look at going to college now, and you spend a fifty to hundred grand on a college degree so you can get out and make thirty grand, that makes no financial sense. Even the rich people got to say, "Well, that why would you do that?" So we need to get more people educated, but you can't do that by pricing it over their heads where they can't do anything about it. So when you were mentioning about uh, getting people educated because it is a benefit to the entire country. So one of the educational systems uh, in a different country that I'm very uh, familiar with is, is Germany. Uh, so in Germany, all children will uh, go to school uh, free of charge, of course, K through eight. Right. Uh, when you, when you hit eighth grade, all of the children are going to be tested. Now, I am not a huge fan of standardized tests. I don't think they're a perfect measure of intelligence, but it's just how they do it. If you do well in the tests where you are in the upper percentages, uh, you will go to the next stage, which is D-Uni, uh, which would basically be the university. Now, that doesn't mean you're a college student, but it's kind of like you will have college prep and then you will go into Uh, a proper higher education. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. I'm talking to the Rational Gen X. You know him from TikTok if you watch him on TikTok. And if you don't, you should. Very smart guy. He's a younger guy. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to be on the program is because I don't know how this is the case, but we have a lot of younger people listening the Rational Boomer podcast. I I mean, I just met somebody the other day who listens. She's 19 years old and she's listening. My my, my 35-year-old and my 29-year-old sons won't listen for shit. So I appreciate it when somebody young like you uh, or some of the others that listen to the show do that. And uh, that's why I thought it was important because you you come from it at a different angle and you know a lot of shit and – Everybody that's tuned to the Rational Boomer podcast is looking to learn, and this is a great opportunity for them with you here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, As far as you saying the younger people, uh, I'm actually surprised on TikTok uh, that I have a fair amount of Gen Z uh, that interact with my page. Uh, I've had them in my lives. I wouldn't say necessarily they're the majority, uh, but there are some of them that are very interested And I also think that they're the best hope that we have uh, moving forward. Well, and that's a good point. Uh, You know, in this half, I want to talk more about current things. And, of course, we had the midterms recently, and the Republicans did horribly. I I personally knew they were going to not do well in the midterms because the facts just didn't bear it out to have a red wave. But we saw the millennials and the Gen Zs come up. 
do you sense as kind of a younger guy looking at similar things as I'm looking at, maybe a little closer to their age, uh, are you seeing that people are getting caught up in this because of this mess we have in our political system right now and they're feeling a little concerned? Are you surprised by them getting in and participating as much as they have? Uh, my personal feelings as far as Gen Z is concerned and, and even a portion of the millennial generation um, that have become much more interested in making their voices heard, uh, not only voting, uh, but you know even different sorts of activism, whether it be marching or things on social media, is the fact that uh, prior to everything happening in, and I would argue to an extent, even COVID itself, you know, even what happened in, in 2020 um, kind of motivated them to um, maybe become more involved because I think a lot of them felt that there was no need to participate, uh, that the country was controlled by a bunch of old people. And right. for the most part, it didn't affect them. Um, but I honestly think the, the biggest motivating factor for the younger people in this country was the Supreme court decision uh, involving Dobbs. Uh, I think Wade. that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when they overturned Roe v. Wade, I, I knew at that point when that happened over the summer that there was not a chance that there would be some massive red wave. Now, my feeling coming up to the election was that the Democrats were going to hold the Senate. And I did feel that the House was a toss-up, but it was likely that the Republicans would gain control of the House. Now, the only reason for this, not because I think there were so many people that wanted to support the Republicans, but because of how much they've gerrymandered uh, uh -huh. in the states that they control. Um, and, and, you know, just a quick, I'm not going to get off on a tangent, but a quick statement for that. So if you want a simple way to try to figure out how gerrymandered a state is. There, there's ways to do it. But if you want a simple way, very simplistic, look at a state and look at the uh, state, a statewide election. So you have governor, you know, senator, U.S. Senate um, or uh, secretary or not secretary of state. Uh, um, well, yeah, secretary of state in Michigan here. But things, things such as that where it's just statewide, anything statewide. Look at the total votes. So if you look at Florida, yes, Ron DeSantis cleaned house pretty well. He you know, he did very well in his state. Um, but you look at some of the other states where it was a little bit closer, some of the red states. So even if the Republican candidate were to uh, get 60 percent of the votes and the Democrat only gained 40 percent, there are going to be a lot of times that the representation they're sending to the House doesn't match that. Right. And that tells you that people are being disenfranchised through gerrymandering. I mean, it's very simple. There, there's better ways to look at it, but it's just a very simple way. So just that was a quick side note just for people to, you know, be able to be a little bit more informed about that. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that, because uh, I think a lot of people throw that word around and really don't understand what it means. It basically means changing the borders to benefit whatever party is doing the gerrymandering. And, uh, you know, they'll 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 cut out the, the people of color or, or, or the Democrats or whatever, and they'll. They'll try to game the system. I mean, that's that's what Republicans do. You feel, I, I, I tell you, I feel this, and I want to see what you think. I think at this point, the era of the Republicans, the conservatives, the rule of the old white man, and I feel like I can say that safely being an old white man, um, they're seeing the end is near. 
they're a little bit desperate and they're just grasping at anything. They're, they're, they're like uh, dog paddling in the ocean because they know the end is near. We, we, I heard somebody say that come 2028, the majority of people that will be voting will be millennials and Gen Zs. Well, if that's the case, it's all over for the Republicans in their current state. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think they know exactly what's happening. Um, you know, as much as I think that Donald Trump is an idiot, uh, that doesn't mean that I think that, you know, everyone who is uh, conservative in this country or, you know, on the right Republican Party, whatever, you know, however you want to describe, depending on who you're talking about. But I don't think that they're all uh, lacking intelligence. I think they see the writing on the wall. And I think they also uh, are very threatened uh, the fact that basically that white people in this country, the percentage of the voting population is going to continue to decline. Now, my argument would be that probably was part of their motivation with Roe. And, and I'm only saying that because um, they have had chances before to be able to affect um, changes to the, the, the laws, even before the, this current time. Um, now, whether it would have been struck down by the Supreme Court, that's debatable. Um, but, you know, even earlier in Trump's term, they could have passed legislation, right? They controlled, they controlled both houses. Right. And they didn't. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with they were a little bit afraid, too, of what it would do to them. Right. Um, it, you know, it, it, doing something like that, it, number one, it's a dog catching the car. So you're... Your risk is evangelical people that supported you as single issue voters could possibly abandon you, not necessarily saying they would vote for Democrats, but they might not be motivated to come out and vote. Right. Because they're right. single issue voters. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm I, honestly I'm surprised to an extent that the Dobbs decision went the way it did. Now, I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Supreme Court is partisan, but they are. I mean, I think it's pretty oh, clear we all know are. that they are. Yeah, right, they are. right. So, but that being said, they had to have known the consequences of doing that. And Republicans right now can't look at it and say, "Well, see, we were vindicated. We we took the house. You barely took the house. It's been a blast." You know, with with the state of uh, let's, I'm not going to say the state of the economy because overall, I really don't think the economy is nearly as bad as they're trying to make it out to be. Oh, I mean, again, not. I've been through, I am old enough. I'm not your age, but I'm old enough that I've been through enough recessions and, you know, the, the great recession there during George W. Bush and into Obama was, was the worst I've seen, but I'm not seeing that. And there's always signs, you know, especially working in the construction industry. Those are the times that people pull back on spending and we're booked out. I, right. I know contractors that are booked for the next year. So I understand that's only one industry, but again, I'm not seeing it. So when it comes to the economic conditions where Joe Biden's popularity supposedly is and things of that nature, it should have been a bloodbath and it wasn't. You know, right. the Republicans, it, in a way, I would almost say that they were shellacked in that election. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was almost historic what happened there. They they they, they may lose a Senate seat which I think they probably will. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but the House was so, so close. And, and, and really, the House in its current state, if they have two or three seats 
over and above the Democrats, they really can't do fucking anything. They can't accomplish anything because they themselves are divided. See what you think about this. I, I think you have the crazy fucks, the Trumple fucks on one side. And then you have the people that said, you know, we hung out with the Trumple fucks. That's working against us. So we want to walk away from it. So now you got two factions within the Republican Party. I don't know who gets 218 votes to become the Speaker of the House. I don't know of anybody that could pull that much from both sides. They're so divided that I don't know how they're going to come up with a Speaker of the House. Yeah, they are so divided. My guess would be that McCarthy probably is the favorite um, to, to, to become Speaker. And the only reason I'm saying that, because I think a lot of the more rank and file Republicans will line up behind him. And of course, like you said, you have the Trumple fucks that are a faction um, in the House of Representatives for the Republicans. Now, do they want Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House? Absolutely not. But that being said, if Kevin McCarthy can promise them, hey, everything that you want to do, you want to investigate Hunter Biden and Dr. Fauci and Joe Biden and whoever else have at it. I'm not going to stand in your way then I feel that they're likely to support him. That being said, I honestly think if they go through with everything, they're already literally 12 hours after they uh, were predict projected to actually take control of the house coming out and having press conferences about all these investigations they do that or they want to do, they are going to absolutely hose themselves for the next election because it's going to be a dumpster fire in the house. And it's going to piss enough people off that truly are, it is a small percentage, but there are truly people that are kind of in the middle that will swing either way. Well, absolutely. If they go the way of the Trump fucks and they do what they're going to do, they're essentially cutting their own throat because one of the reasons they lost the midterms is because of all this bullshit, the chaos and the ridiculousness of the Republican Party. I, I, I can't imagine one of the things I'm thinking, based on what I see, and I'm just making a judgment here, I don't know if I'm right, maybe I'm giving politicians too much credit. If you've got these two factions, you've got the Trump and you've got the people that are trying to step away from Donald Trump and the craziness, they're looking at 2024 as the next election. They're going to get a lot of blame because they had the control in the House, just like the Democrats did. They're going to get blame for whatever happens between now and then. Is it feasible to think that some of the more reasonable-minded Republicans will try to negotiate for the first time in a long time with some of the Democrats just to get something done, just to show that they've done something and to separate themselves from the trump that makes sense to me. But again, I'm talking about politicians, so I don't know if sense really comes into play. Well, I think it's possible if they're if they're looking if they're looking ahead and they're they're trying to benefit themselves. I think that's the only thing they're likely to do. But my guess would be that if the writing on the wall is saying we are going to get thumped in the next election. So I want to at least be able to go back to my home district and say that I did this for them, then I think it's likely that you could see uh, a small number, because again, it wouldn't take very many, a small number of rank and file Republicans say, no, we're not going to go with all this craziness, not saying we're going to caucus with the Democrats, but there are certain things we're going to vote with the Democrats because it's going to help us. Um, So, with what you were saying, yeah, I, I do think it's very well possible. Uh, I think a lot of them 
are going to just march in lockstep because they want to ride uh, Donald Trump's coattails. But there are districts where he is not going to be overly popular. And the, the winds are kind of, you know, switching a little bit, even within the the party as a whole, where you see this, you know, schism with Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump already when it comes to who's going to be the favorite to run for president. And that's going to hurt their party. Absolutely. You know, they're, their party's a mess going into 2024. Absolutely. And, and I, I have to wonder, this might sound like a reach to you, but if you look at it and you had somebody in the Republican Party that might have some common sense, when it comes to codifying Roe v. Wade, now, theoretically, they shouldn't be able to do it because they don't control the House. We could do it in the Senate, but we probably can't do it in the House. But that said, doesn't it make sense if you're a logical thinker? And again, this may be where I'm wrong. If you're a Republican and your party got their ass kicked in the midterms, and the biggest reason was the Roe v. Wade, trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, and now you finally realize that 70% of the country supports Roe v. Wade, might you say, you know, maybe I better step away from that. If, if the majority doesn't like overturning Roe v. Wade, maybe I should help them codify it. That seems like a big ask, but, you know, these are these fucking politicians are mercenaries. They don't give a shit as long as they get votes. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I think that some of them, it, it could be possible that some of them would would cross party lines. Now, it's going to depend on the situation. So if, if I look at something like uh, here in Michigan, so in the last election, uh, being though our districts are no longer gerrymandered because we had uh, voter-initiated legislation to amend our state constitution to have an independent redistricting uh, commission to right. redraw all of our maps, right? So our state house and state Senate are blue for the first time in 40 years. Also, right. when you look at our representation, even in the areas that a Republican won a seat to the House of Representatives here in Michigan. So let's say your election was close in your district. Might you think a little bit and say, well, okay, I know what the voters in Michigan did when it comes to uh, proposal three, where we codified women's rights to the, you know, to make their own choice about their bodies here in this state. And then what happened in the election overall in Michigan? Maybe, just maybe, one of those members, if they're not a Trump fuck, might be interested in crossing the aisle to say, I want to save my own ass. Like, I don't care what you guys are doing. This part, this party's a dumpster fire right now. And I just want to, I want to be reelected. So I think that is possible. Will it happen? I don't know, but I think it's possible. Well, there's another aspect of the house while they might have two or three or maybe four extra seats for the Republicans to give them the majority. There are some other things that are going to happen. And I, I, I've, uh, I have a question for you because I'm sure you get this a lot and I'm sure you get as frustrated as I do. I will get people come on my page and they'll say, nothing's going to happen to Donald Trump. Mayor Garland won't do anything. Nothing's going to happen. And I always tell them a lot of shit has already fucking happened. Donald Trump's Trump organization is going to be gone. They, they're going to take it away. Whether it be Letitia James in New York with a $250 million lawsuit or they find, uh, find the Trump organization guilty of fraud, 
that that company is not going to no longer exist. So that that is something. But do do you get a lot of people thinking that there will be no justice, that nobody will be indicted, that nothing will happen? Because it frustrates oh, me when I hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you know one of my personal videos is I was a little bit upset with uh, Merrick Garland uh, for for appointing. Um, you see, and I I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Jack Smith. Jack Smith. There we go. I knew Jack, but I couldn't remember his last name. I was a little upset that he appointed Jack Smith. And it was only from the perspective, I understand why they're doing it because they got together and said, okay, if Donald Trump is to declare that he's running for president in 2024, we need to have this, you know, illusion of this independent prosecutor, right? Now, my only problem with it is, The only problem I had with it is that for the people that, you know, support Donald Trump, the fact that it is an independent prosecutor isn't going to matter. So it didn't really matter whether he whether he was indicted by the DOJ, just, you know, generally like anybody else would be indicted by them, like Steve Bannon, uh, you know, for contempt of Congress or if it was given to an independent prosecutor. Now. Now that it's done, though, do I think that they are likely to indict him? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I had no doubts that he will be indicted. It's just who gets to him first. And the other thing that I actually like with everything he's facing right now is the fact that any of the states that he actually is facing state charges, it does not matter in 2024 if somehow they ended up getting even Ron DeSantis in there, you know, say, say Trump cannot run because he does get convicted of the violation of the presidential records act, you know, something like that. Um, You know, depending on what the charges are that Donald Trump is facing, but especially with state charges, he can't pardon them. He, he, He as a president, you can't pardon somebody for, for a state offense. So, you know, if he's convicted in, in Georgia for election interference in, in something like that, how how could you look at it and say, well, there's no that they shouldn't convict him. He didn't do anything wrong. Did you listen to the telephone call? Yeah, I mean, I it's mean when, when he's asking Raffensperger, we just need to find one more vote than Biden has. It's pretty clear, you know. I, there's not a lot of reading into that, um, but even more so than that, honestly, I would like to see uh, him convicted of Presidential Records Act because I think that is. Just a, uh, it's an uh, uh, open, uh, open and shut case. You know, he admitted he had documents, and then he said, "Well, I declassified them." And as I've argued with some Trump fucks, because I I do TikTok lives and tend tend to interact with with Trump supporters, but um, it, it doesn't matter if he declassified them. No, it you cannot. You cannot have government documents. You are a private citizen now, and even as president. Those documents still have a chain of custody where it's not just something that you can tuck them in a folder and, you know, go to uh, your your place in New York or something and just have them laying around like that. There is a chain of custody for all these documents because of the fact that they're very high security documents. But even if they're not any government document, you cannot have in your possession. And he he's admitted he had them. Well, they went to his so place it, and pulled him out of there. So it's pretty clear he had him. I mean, they had yeah, to go to his house and get him. 
Right. And, and if there were no documents there whatsoever, if there were, if this is all garbage and the only thing that they seized was finger paintings, he did. Right. Yeah. Okay, fine. But then he wouldn't have said, well, I declassified all those documents. So you just said you're admitting to you had government documents. Therefore, you you're guilty. I mean, this is not hard to ascertain. Right. Absolutely. So I I think they're in trouble here. Here's for me. Here's best case scenario for 2024. I actually would like to see it where he's still able to run because I think that the fracture in the Republican Party that we've all been waiting for, because that party needs to be broken apart and then built back up because I don't have an issue with there being a uh, another party to, you know, to balance it out because you're going to have people that are more conservative. You have people that are less conservative. And so we kind of need that uh, compromise in that mix. Right. So we absolutely I would like need to see a second party if we want democracy. And even yeah, if the Republican Party went away, that would be trouble for us. Right. And I would like to see more. I mean, I wish we had more viable parties so that, say, even if you still had two major parties, but they had to caucus with another group to yeah. be able to make a government, because that makes it where you have to compromise and shit gets done. Because one of the weaknesses of our system is shit doesn't get done because even when a party's in power, they look at it as, well, even if we do something big, the next election, we're going to be out of power. And that is generally what you see. Right. Um, but back to what I was saying, I would like it to be where Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump end up running against each other, because I think that's the split in the party that we've all been waiting for. And I also think if DeSantis is the one that the, uh, you know, Republican, like the institution itself favors because they know that Donald Trump is a shit show and they saw what happened in the midterms. So maybe they throw their support behind DeSantis. We already know that Rupert Murdoch is throwing his support behind DeSantis. I don't think that Trump can sit on the sidelines at that point. My personal feeling, I, I just don't think his ego would let him. So best case scenario for, for me would be Donald Trump saying, I'm going to run as a third party. Yeah, have I, at it, Don. Don yeah. Have at it, Donnie. Let's go. Well, you know, that's what I get that a lot from people. They're, they're very scared about the idea of Donald Trump uh, running, whether he be the nominee or a third party. And I said, oh, that's exactly what we want. Donald Trump won one election, 2016. 2018, his party took a shit. 2020, his party took a shit. 2022, he took a shit. They rode with Donald Trump. And all along the way, they keep losing. They're saying it themselves. We're losing. Why would we want to continue to do that? So if for some reason Donald Trump would have the opportunity to run in 2024, I'm absolutely all for it. You beat him in 2020 by 7 million votes. Like I was talking about the midterms, what has he done to gain more votes? He's lost votes. He's lost support. So he would be easy to beat in 2024. I just I just don't see how it's even possible that he is going to run. Uh, if he thinks he's going to get beat, he won't do it. If he uh, if he gets something as small as a presidential records act, and that's a rel relatively small crime, it's like a hundred thousand dollar fine and maybe a year in jail. But the key to that particular indictment is it specifically says you can no longer run for any election ever again. And that's why I, I tell people, you got to be thinking that Merrick Garland and now Jack Smith 
are thinking about ways to indict him, but they're also thinking about ways to ensure that he'll never be able to run again. And uh, I just don't see Donald Trump being in a position, whether health-wise, emotional-wise, or legally, be able to run in 2024. I, I just don't fuck. I don't even know that Ron DeSantis will be there. I mean, how often do we see presidential campaigns? Two years is a long time. There are front runners in the beginning, but shit changes a lot in two years. I tend to believe that on the Democratic and Republican side, we don't know yet. We have no idea who's going to run in 2024, and we may be, be surprised. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that I would say about DeSantis is if the right wing like media machine decides to throw their support behind him even early because they don't want Donald Trump, then I think it's likely that I could at least consider him the front runner. Now, of course, he hasn't even announced that uh, he's throwing his hat in the ring. But that being said, I I would put him as the favorite. And the thing that bothers me the most is I kind of look at him as, you know, being a little bit of a Trump 2.0. Now, it's it's very – they're different. They are different. I think that DeSantis – uh, you know, toes the line with certain things and in, in his attacks on like the LGBTQ community and things of that nature. I think that's just to satisfy the base. That's like red meat for them, right? Yeah, he's um, doing whatever he has to do to get votes. He sided with Donald Trump because he saw that as a win for him. Now he's backing right. away from Donald Trump because that's a loss for him. And and the same right. with the other thing. But, you know, like I said, he it wasn't just Donald Trump that lost the midterms. It was all the craziness with the Trump effects. So my point with 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 DeSantis, he may be the front runner for the primary for the Republicans, but still the vast majority of the people don't like the bullshit he's doing. Whether he's Donald Trump or sides with Donald Trump, he's still doing shit like Roe v. Wade, like LGBTQ. He's not doing anything to get in votes where he's going to win in 2024. Yeah, correct. I mean... I, I don't know what's going to happen with that yet. And, and, you know, as I was speaking to, you know, some of my coworkers, uh, as far as even Trump declaring, uh, no one declares this early. No. The, the only reason why he declared is because he felt that it would keep his ass out of jail. And I mean, that is plain and simple truth. That's all there is to it. And it's not going to. It's not going to. Donald Trump needs to buckle up because all the people that are biting their fingernails and saying, oh, nothing's going to happen. You have to understand that if you are going to uh, seek prosecution of someone of Donald Trump's stature, you know, somebody that was a president, you have to make sure that your case is just, you know, phenomenally prepared in that that you have him. And, and when it comes back to Merrick Garland, that is one thing that Merrick Garland is known for. Yeah, Merrick Garland doesn't lose because he doesn't have leaks and his cases are very, very well prepared. So when he decides to indict you, he's only indicting you because he knows he has you. Right, right, exactly. So. And I think the addition of Jack Smith is, is, is kind of... Uh, when I first heard about Jack Smith, I thought, oh, he's just kicking the can down the road. He's trying, He's delaying it or he's afraid to make the decision. And then after reading about it, reading about Jack Smith, I say, you know, that was probably a fucking smart move. He probably doesn't need to try to protect himself from the whole political aspect. 
But somebody pointed out something. They said Merrick Garland is dealing with hundreds, if not thousands, of cases. He can't keep his eyes focused on it uh, without taking it off something else. So now Jack Smith has two cases. All he does is have to get up to speed, finish whatever investigation there is, and uh, he can make that decision. It still has to be okayed by Merrick Garland, but he can say that Jack Smith made the decision, he made a good case, and Merrick did what he was supposed to do. Uh, I think that, uh, I think personally that Jack Smith is going to make this go faster. I mean, we're already kind of seeing it go faster. Pence didn't want to talk to J6, and now they're saying, you're coming to the DOJ. And Pence isn't going to be able to to avoid that. He's Once he gets a subpoena, he better fucking be there or he's got problems. Yeah, I agree. And, and I agree with you to the point that I was a little – you know, apprehensive when uh, Jack Smith was, you know, appointed, you know, or let's say that it's just, it's completely flawed. It's garbage, which is what Trump's lawyers have always done. Um, but by making that filing when he did, it, it just shows that he is vested in this case. And I honestly think that he's going to be somewhat of a bulldog. He seems like he's just not messing around. He's no nonsense. He's going to go there. He's going to do his job. And Donald Trump's probably, probably, uh, you know, should be picking out his decorations for sale. I mean, again, I don't know if they would truly lock him up, but even just to the point of they hammer his business, they bankrupt him. He can't run for office really at that point. I I'm good with that. Like I'd like to see him go away, but I would be satisfied if he's broke and he can't run for president again. Yeah, I've said the same thing. I understand the difficulties with putting a former president in jail. I understand that. And if if he's just completely destroyed as a human, as a businessman, I'd be good with that because he's a narcissist. And when you take everything away from him that he tends to be proud of, that is a uh, punishment worse than jail for a narcissist. Uh, I know everybody keeps saying, I want to see him in jail. I want to do this. You know what sold me on Jack Smith more than anything is that Donald Trump and the Republicans all fucking freaked out when they when they appointed this guy. I think people make the mistake that a special counsel is the same as a special master. And we dealt with the special master thing. Not at all alike. Not at all alike. This guy is kind of a hired gun coming in just to speed shit up. And uh, I think that's what we're going to see in the coming weeks. We're going to see some shit happen. And I think, like you were saying, this is a former president. This may be the biggest case of its kind in the history of this country. So you better be sure you're right and you've got all your ducks in a row. And I think Jack Smith is just the kind of guy that uh, is not like Merrick Garland in the sense. Merrick Garland's really sensitive to political things, so he's going to take things slowly and easily. I think Jack Smith is just going to go. I think he's like Fonnie Willis down in Georgia. They don't give a fuck. You broke the law. We're coming after your shit. And I think Fonnie Willis is probably coming up with something soon, too. Yeah. And she's she's not going to she's not backing down. I mean, she will. She is building a case against him. You know, and again, what happens with these cases? It remains to be seen. I think the biggest threat to Donald Trump is probably um, Jack Smith, because he is going to act as that you know, Ken Starr type of, um, you know, special counsel. And uh, while Joe Biden is president, 
there isn't anything the Republicans can do about it as much as they bluster and say that they're going to cut his salary to a dollar and everything like that. Um, they, they have to understand that to pass any legislation, you have to control both houses and the president has to sign it. You, you don't have the, the Republicans in the house don't have the authority to just cut somebody's salary on their own. It doesn't work that way. I don't care about the Holman rule. I know what it is. And you know what some of these politicians are saying, they are misrepresenting what they are able to do. Well, and that's what, that's what Republicans do. They just throw out rhetoric that has no basis in fact or isn't real. But enough dumb people believe and say, oh, yeah, we're going to get that. We're going to do this. You know, I, I still hear that from Trump Lafox. They will throw stuff out there. Like, I'll give you an example. We had this shooter. Was it in, uh, or was it Colorado? And he shot Colorado up, at the bar. Yeah, he shot up yep. in the gay bar. <laughs> and so so he, he gets his ass kicked after the fact. And uh, then he has his lawyer come out and says, well, He's uh, he's uh, what do they call it? Um, I, I want to say bilateral, but that's not it. He's uh, oh bipolar. No, uh, not, not bipolar. He was talking about a sexuality. God, why can't I fucking? Oh, bisexual. Not even bisexual. He was just hmm. non non-binary. That's what non-binary. He okay. Okay. Says he's non-binary, which is fucking ridiculous because uh, <laughs> because all his. All his uh, posts and everything he's ever done is all about calling, using the F word and not fuck the other one. And 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 so this was just some little ploy to come out to try to take the edge off so he wouldn't get uh, tried on a hate crime, which isn't going to work because it's just not true. But I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, somebody of importance. Oh, I know who it was. Um Who's that clown? He's actually from the very town I live in right now. He played Hercules on TV, and he's a B actor. Uh, you're not talking about Kevin Sorbo, are you? I'm talking about Kevin Sorbo, exactly. Uh, and and so Kevin Sorbo said, he said this in his tweet. He said, he said, well, this is this about the the shooter. <laughs> but when they realized that he was uh, non-binary. What are they going to do now? This fucker thinks that was real. This guy, TV actor of some note, and this guy isn't smart enough to look into it to see what he's saying is bullshit. But that's how it goes with Republicans. They spew shit. They start repeating it without any verification at all. And then in their minds, it becomes real. And, and, and it, it it just can't continue to work for the Republicans because it gets thrown in their face every damn time. Yeah, I, I agree. And and as far as Kevin Sorbo goes, um, and I know you're not on Twitter very much, but I do browse around it quite a bit because it's a it's a pretty good source to you know look into some of these politicians and, and people like Kevin Sorbo, even even though he's Nobody. nothing in my mind. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You know, is he somebody that people know his name? Yeah, to an extent, but he's just a, you know, a, a B movie actor type type person. But um, his his Twitter is just is garbage. Everything is right wing talking points, propaganda, conspiracy theories. Um, and, and, you know, I understand with somebody like him, I guess that, you know, he must be of uh, lower intelligence to, to, to even believe it. 
Um, because for him, I don't see a benefit to it. No, I see, I see benefits for politicians. You know, if you look at somebody like, you know, Ted Cruz and, you know, somebody's bashing on him about something. I'm like, you have to understand with Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz isn't dumb. Josh Hawley is not dumb. No, you know, there's a lot of these people. They're not stupid. Now, Marjorie Taylor green, she is stupid. And so is Lauren Boebert. But for, (laughs) for some of them, they are literally spewing this shit purely for power. And it is absolutely sickening. It's like, why can't you come out? You're conservative. You've been around a long time and this is what you used to do. Why can't you come out and say, we want to cut taxes for business to benefit all Americans and benefit our economy? Okay, fine. That's the argument that you've always made. But to spew bullshit that you know isn't true, again, you are you know that it's incorrect. That's what bothers me so much about the people that aren't the dummies. You know, I'm somewhat less bothered by like Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene only because I know they're they're just they're of low intelligence. They're not very smart people. It, it's almost gone to the point with me when I talk to Trump, Lafox, after all that's gone, gone on and all the things we've heard. When somebody says something like that to me, I can't even get mad anymore. It's, all I can do is laugh because it's so ridiculous. You, you, you're just like you're telling me I'm a fucking idiot. Deal with that. And I think it's more and more becoming the case that they are becoming more of a laughing stock as time goes on. And when some of these indictments fall and such, it's it's going to change everything. I think on the midterms, there was a paradigm shift anyway. And we know that with the Republican Party, with them walking away from Donald Trump. I think things are going to be dramatically different over the next two years than what we saw the last six. At least I'm hoping it can only get better. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think it may get worse at first, but I think that it'll only get better in the end. Yeah. So what do you think what do you think is going to happen with the uh, indictments? Like I said, you and I get the same comment. Nothing's ever going to happen. And I think that's absolute bullshit. I think Merrick Garland and Jack Smith cannot avoid indicting Donald Trump and all the people around him. There could be hundreds of people that get indicted. They can't help it because we all know the facts. I mean, if it was just under the cover of government and they could say, well, we didn't have enough of this, we didn't have enough of that. Well, we all know. So they can't avoid indicting a bunch of people at this point, including Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I think he'll be indicted. The The only question would be, say he's indicted and he's actually convicted. Yeah. If he If he still decides that he's going to run for president, he will likely be able to do so because I think what will happen is, of course, they'll appeal it. And with the appeals having to work their way through the court system, whether it be state or federal, just depending on on which charges we're talking about, yeah. I think that he could delay it enough where, you know, let's say he were to win the election, which I think is very, very highly unlikely, uh, but where that could actually happen just because of the time it takes uh, to work through the courts. And if there is one thing that we know is that Donald Trump is very good at delaying. But that being said, in the end, um, you know, some of these charges he's facing, I think that, you know, Donald Trump is going to face the music. It's just people have to be patient. Yeah, you do have to be patient. And let's be honest, he's 78 years old, not in the best shape, and he eats Big Macs every day. That's not going to give him longevity. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't I cannot see how he's in the greatest of health. 
You know, I, I know he's not. I mean, you can look at him. If you ever see him without his, you know, putty knife bronzer applied to him, he doesn't look so good. You know, I mean, I know Joe Biden is old too, but Donald Trump doesn't look all that great. No, he doesn't. And, you know, something I think is more important and more impactful in terms of indictments isn't Donald Trump. Donald Trump is almost a throwaway now to the Republican Party, the majority of the Republican Party. They see him as a loser. Nobody in politics is loyal. They'll kick him to the curb the moment he becomes a liability, and he's already become a liability. I'm not so worried about Donald Trump. He'll get his. But I think where the indictments will have the biggest impact, and we haven't heard about this yet, yet we know they're involved. The sitting members of Congress that were involved in the January 6th insurrection, We know they were involved. We know they have evidence, but they haven't done anything yet. And I think that's largely because of the midterms. But the next J6 presentation in the DOJ and Jack Smith, I think we're going to see sitting members of Congress get exposed with facts about what they did. And I think we're going to see some indictments there. And and to be honest, if these guys get indicted and get expelled from Congress, if that happens, uh, granted, we have to have special elections, but it wouldn't be hard for them to lose three seats in the uh, House of Representatives when something like that happens, which would change the whole complexion of, of Congress at that point. Yeah, for sure. If you if the DOJ has evidence, because, of course, there's all kinds of information they've gathered from uh, these groups that were involved in the January 6th insurrection. So it might be something with the, the oath keepers or something like that, but say that they have text messages or, you know, emails or whatever it is, because of course they, there was planning leading up to this. This wasn't spontaneous by any means. This was planned. And it wasn't that it was planned as the entire group of people coming it was planned with certain groups, again, such as as the Oath Keepers. Now, if they have evidence tying a Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, or Lauren Boebert or whoever it might be, Paul Golzar, you know, so on and so forth, depending, you know, again, there's a lot of them that were involved in it. Uh, but yeah, they could, they could definitely face charges. And if they were to uh, face you know, seditious conspiracy or, or something similar to that, they would, they would uh, absolutely lose their seat. And, and that right. could have some effect, uh, well, especially for, for Bobert because she's from Colorado. Yeah. Well, the other the other aspect of it, too, it's, it's the non-sitting members of Congress that could have a big impact, too. You've got Ginny Thomas, who's married to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who has all kinds of problems. Um, and, and then you've got Alito, who's apparently a leaker. We've got big problems in the Supreme Court. And that needs to be addressed shortly after Roe v. Wade and some of the other issues. Because if we have one branch of our government that has no credibility, we're fucked as a nation. We need the Supreme Court to be actually a Supreme Court. And there is no way they're not going to have some shit on Jenny Thomas. We've seen the text messages where she said, send me a Venmo and I'll pay for the buses. She said that. So... If that's all they have, and I'm sure they have more than that, that's all they have, she's fucking done. doesn't matter if Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice. They can't let her go once the facts are known by the public. And Roger Stone, don't forget about him. Yeah, I I agree. Um, 
I think that when it, when it comes down to it, do I think that Clarence Thomas himself uh, likely has his hands dirty? Probably not. Uh, but as far as Jenny Thomas is concerned, absolutely. I, I would have to think that because the text messages were released, that was not the extent of the evidence that they have on her. I highly doubt it. Um, so, you know, there, you're correct. There, there could be some, you know, issues with that. And, you know, part of this, it's not that he has the authority to dismiss a, a sitting justice or, you know, or something of that nature. But when you look at Roberts, so uh, John Roberts has to be looking at things a bit of what his legacy is going to be. Now, yes, he was appointed by George W. Bush, and he is a conservative justice, but I don't really take him to be kind of one of the wackaloons, right? No, he's um, not. Although he was, yeah, although, um, you know, he is conservative. I, I, he's not a Clarence Thomas or an Alito, you know, um, um, Kavanaugh, Amy Comey Barrett, whatever. So from that perspective as a chief justice, you know, I would think of, I would think that at some point with him, it would come to a head where he he would say this is this has to stop. You know, we we have to do something about this. And again, I'm not saying he can dismiss uh, a sitting justice. He doesn't have that authority. But as the chief justice, he does have, uh, you know, abilities when it comes to the cases they hear and things of that nature where he could affect what they were at least able to do. Right. He could lessen the impact of that court. And so that is something that John Roberts could absolutely do, whether he will. I don't know. Well, at this point, it seems like he has no power uh, because he hasn't done anything with the the leaking. You know, the f- first leak of the Dobbs case. Oh, we're going to find these guys. We're going to do it. Are you telling me the Supreme Court couldn't figure out a year later who leaked it out of their own group? They know who leaked it. They just aren't, they don't want to address it because it clearly was Alito. Alito was trying to pressure his people on the Supreme Court to stick with their decision. I mean, they were in the middle of negotiations. They go back and forth. And the the, the thought is that some of the people that signed on the first time were thinking of getting off. And he thought he'd just force the issue by exposing it and thereby sticking them with their first choice. And it's, you know, we have a we have a large problem with the Supreme Court. I think the things that trouble me the most about the Supreme Court, I heard somebody say something once. They said, you know, we should have a code of ethics for the Supreme Court. What? You don't have a code of ethics for the Supreme Court? What the fuck is that? Nobody's Nobody can police them. Only John Roberts, and John Roberts hasn't accepted. Exercised any fucking power. It's like a it's like a, a rogue nation here, and they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and 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 again, even for John Roberts being the chief justice, his his powers are very limited. Um, it, and the only thing that I could see him doing is certain cases that he knows what's right and what's wrong, and you know maybe it's a case that he knows that the uh, you know the crazies are going to. Um, you know, do wrong by the American people, he could basically say, we're not going to hear that case. Because as far as I'm aware, uh, one of the uh, powers that he does have as chief justice, I think he can 
decide what comes in front of the court and what doesn't as far as I know. Um, but it is somewhat mind-blowing that they don't really have a code of ethics. I want to thank you very much for coming by the Rational Gen X. You're on TikTok. If you don't follow him, you should follow him. Very intelligent guy. Very valuable guy to get information from. And so I thank you very much for coming on and kind of short notice. Um because I know people get tired of hearing me just talk. So it's always nice to have somebody else step in. And I haven't had Ed on this week or anything. So thank you for the uh, life raft, if you will, coming coming on and, and giving us your point of view. Oh, I appreciate being on, Mike. It was uh, it, it was fun. And I'll have, to, I'll have to drop you a line at some point and try to maybe get together when we have a better, uh, <laughs> better connection. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a little problem with the connections here. Hopefully I'll do some wizardry with the uh, editing and nobody will know, but, but yeah, let's do this again. Uh, I think it's very valuable for the folks listening. uh, And uh, I'm sure they learned a lot from this. So thank you very much for coming on Uh, for the folks in the audience. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. Hope you have a great day. And of course, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the rational boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.